Hi, Dr. Barbara Byers here. I'm back with part two of narcissism, picking up where I left off. The fifth characteristic of narcissists is they don't know how to have real relationships with those around them. A real relationship is very challenging when your core is shame. They have lots of fantasies about their success, and this really wars against our prayer life and the development of um, godly character in us. The sixth is the core of shame, I've mentioned. Uh, they feel so defective, so they're self-protective and they present an idealized image or an idealized false persona to the world. Um, and I think it's so important for the church to understand this. Dr. Jim Wilder, who's uh, both a neuroscientist and a theologian, wrote a book called The Pandora Problem, which I would recommend. He says that narcissists have a failure to metabolize shame relationally. Shame is hardwired in our brain, and if we can't resolve it, we, we're going to disconnect from uh, one another. And if I don't handle it relationally, I'll always feel shame, and um, I have to stop you. If you try to bring up anything that makes me feel ashamed, I will push back and manipulate you and so on. So narcissism and this very unhealthy reaction to shame. Um, and narcissists can display this in a number of ways. Uh, sometimes if you say something, uh, anything that they consider bad about them, then they'll beat themselves up. Oh, yes, I'm terrible, until they get you to say something nice about them. But it's manipulation. Or on the other hand, if you say something that they consider bad, they'll turn it back on you. They'll turn the table and blame you. And so you'll stop saying things and retreat. So they're trying to protect their image. It's like a, a spouse who can be very charming in public, but in private is very, very different. And a lot of times the in the public face, like in church, people don't see it. They just see that smooth, charming, nice uh, personality and exterior, but it's manipulation. And narcissists believe they're better than average um, because they're getting better results because they always want to win. So they have honed that instinct for manipulating others. Um, anywhere we have really toxic shame, we're going to respond with narcissism. Now, there's toxic shame, and then there's, you know, the brief shame we feel when we've done something wrong and need to repent, and we can turn that into repentance. Um, Dr. Wilder also said, the brain can perceive another person's status when you meet another person in 40 milliseconds of exposure. Isn't that amazing? And uh, so why is that important? Well, the brain responds to status so quickly because for the narcissist, status is what it's about. They feel shame and they're trying to come to a higher status and an idealized image. And if I feel like you've imposed your higher status on me, then I feel lowered in my status and I'm gonna have to respond and manage my image somehow. And the church uh, hasn't understood this very well, that this is what's actually motivating a narcissist. And they put a lot of narcissists in power because they are accomplished or they're very smooth or whatever. Um, 
So sometimes the church accidentally grows narcissists more because we haven't learned to confront it well. I'll discuss that in a minute. Okay, if you're in a relationship with a narcissist, you need to know the narcissist is after power and they're after using you as a supply. They want to be right, which makes you wrong. They want attention. They're taking and using and controlling. And the victim can end up giving away their power because you might seek approval from them or you're caught up in them some, somehow. And the spouse unknowingly becomes part of the problem when they try to fix it or they try to love the person more and so on. It's just the wrong kind of love. Um, and sometimes that narcissist will pull us in. So a lot of times it, for the supply, for the victim, if you will, there are some things in their family of origin. One is they learned, if they were mistreated as a child, they learned they had no protection, and so they're trying to protect themselves at their own expense. And the way they react to manipulative people is to sort of submit to them, ignore your own feelings, and shut down. You take the blame because you feel inadequate, you give in, and you avoid. A second way, second thing they learned is that they grew up under an unrelenting standard. They were made to feel unlovable. They could never do enough right. They were inadequate and, inadequate and flawed. They have a sense of their own shame, of their own defectiveness. And so they're trying to respond to be good enough, to be acceptable and to avoid criticism. And when the narcissist is critical or withholding, then you act even more giving, act harder, the th uh, work harder. The third thing is uh, if you were abandoned or emotionally deprived as a child, you learn to sacrifice yourself. You grew up feeling no one can be counted on, there's no advocate for me, uh, and that people wouldn't understand and meet your needs. So you learn to put your needs last and others first, and you learn to be very sensitive to others' expectations. And maybe with a narcissist, you walk on eggshells trying to please them and keeping your needs tucked away because of this fear. Oh, and you may feel really exhausted from keeping all this going. You think, oh, it's my problem. You know, what have I created here? What have I created here? Wendy Berry wrote a book called Disarming the Narcissist. And she says, the partner is the one with a tattered heart and eroded hope. It really can take from you. So if you're, if you're the victim, if you're the partner that has suffered, then you've got to stay grounded in truth and not think you're the crazy one. You have to develop your own authentic voice. Uh, sometimes you have to get away from a relationship that's just too perilous. Sometimes you can do the hard work if they're willing to do the hard work also to change the relationship and learn healthy ways. You have to learn to confront empathetically, but you have to learn to confront. You have to learn to assert your rights and work hard to reach their vulnerable core. Um, you use whatever leverage you can. You stay persistent. Uh, you understand what you're dealing with, though, and adjust your expectations and don't allow the manipulation and don't allow the blame. 
Um, now let me pick up, and that was so brief, there's lots of good things out there, and I would recommend uh, her book, Disarming the Narcissist. So I wanna pick up the thread and come back to what I mentioned before, how the church can help. Uh, you know, we have to know that we all fight our human nature, that we all got some of this narcissism going on, and it's evil. It's, it's not just, oh, uh, you know, mental adjustments are needed. Immaturity is there. It's, it's also real evil. Um, but if we come to the cross, the cross can radically alter who we are as we begin to develop the nature of Christ because now we have a new nature to live from. We now have a new sinner. And if we choose this over a lifetime that Christ is the center of my being, we become like him. Uh, but narcissism says, no, I won't submit to another. Another won't be my Lord. And I will go my own way and cope with this my own way and use others. There's just a real pride to it and a real unwillingness to see our own evil. And often, narcissists have become, if they're religious, they become disappointed with God. Why? Because they feel entitled and God didn't do things their way and God didn't make it easy. I know a man who collapsed out of his Christianity because he thought it was just too hard. God should have made it easier. He gave up his home and his family because it just didn't go his way. That's kind of the essence of narcissism. It's just so presumptuous. But we have to be willing to surrender. And by the Spirit of the Lord, He gives us grace to enable it to, uh, us to do that, to move away from the old self and learn to practice His presence. And then we begin to change and reflect Him because we have this whole new identity. 2 Corinthians says, all of us with unveiled faces like mirrors reflect the glory of the Lord and we're being changed into his image. So this is just the opposite of narcissism. You know, it's the self-absorption that leads to death. But as we look to Christ and not in the own mirror, our own mirror of our image, as we look to Christ we are changed into his image. And in the church, one of the things that we can so do for others is we can help bring others back to their true identity, their real status in Christ. You remember I mentioned how status is easily perceived and so important to narcissists? When we know our status, I am a beloved child of the living God. We return to who we really are, to our true self. And that is honoring. It lifts us up and we don't need a false image to live from. And we don't have to live in the shame either. It can go to the cross. So we have to come into the Lord's way of seeing us. And then we help others come into the Lord's way of seeing them. So when we approach a narcissist, we help them know you're not being who God created you to be. This isn't, this isn't the real. This isn't who God created you to be, the way you're acting and talking. Now, will they feel shame from that? Yes, but it's a brief shame that can draw them to repentance. It's not a toxic kind of shame like they live in. And as I said, when we feel this kind of shame, this kind of guilt, we can come 
and realize I need to repent and live in who I really am. So to respond to someone with narcissism, we help them with their true identity because what? They've developed this narcissism more and more and more. They've developed manipulations more and more. They love to win. They like to win and they know how to win. And it's artificial, but we have to help them come out of that that they need a true self and they need an identity. Um, they're known and loved and adopted by God and have this wonderful status that can never be lowered. Um, so then another thing we have to do, uh, narcissism is very self-justifying. Oh my goodness. We have to stop that when we see that they're doing, that they're right in their own eyes and that they wanna win, we have to confront that. And you know, narcissists will even go to counseling a lot of times, oh, I'll go to counseling. They just wanna win, I'll go to counseling to show you, I can win this too. Uh, they might even admit they have a problem, but they are not really repentant. And so we have to discern. Uh, it, it's not just the one-on-one -on -one that's gonna help the narcissist. It's not just their spouse confronting it. They can't play against a community that stands together and confronts them and calls them into Christ-likeness. They're either gonna to have to give up their narcissism or they'll, or they'll leave the church, they'll leave the group. Psalm 141.5 says, may the godly strike me in love and correct me. May my head not refuse choice oil. And when we have a group who comes around us and loves us, that is oil on our head. That's something so good for that. So their community can't continue to prop up their status. They have to call them up and out of where they've been and not put up with their justifications. And the book, The Pandora Problem, has a, a lot of good suggestions for this. They're really, really helpful. There's actually exercises in the back because it takes some weeks of continuing to do this uh, that helps them come up and out. And so we have to be willing to be a loving community to do this. So I hope these two parts have helped you maybe realize a little more what narcissism is and uh, maybe even to identify it in yourself and, and to see what can be done. Thanks so much for listening.